like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood Laying on the bathroom floor Feeling nothing I'm overwhelmed and insecure Give me something I could take to ease my mind slowly Just have a drink and you'll feel better Just take her home and you'll feel better Keep telling me that it gets better Does it ever Help me It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up No medicine is strong enough Someone help me I'm crawling in my skin Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there's an emptiness inside of us that can only be filled by you. Nothing else will ever satisfy us. All the pursuits of this world, all the stuff of this world, none of it, none of it fills us. And Lord, I pray for empty people who are here today. Lord, I pray that they would feel your power, they would feel your presence, that you would overwhelm them with your goodness and your love and your mercy, and Lord, that they would realize that you're a God that's for them and not against them, and that they would desire to have a deep, 
intimate relationship with you. Lord, take our time together and transform it into something of substance, something of eternity. Lord, we pray for your will to be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm glad that you could come out. We're in the middle of a little series called My Name Is, and we've been looking at some Old Testament and New Testament names of God. A lot of people have some wiggity-whack ideas as to who God is, and so we thought we would look at how he reveals himself and how he describes himself in Scripture. And today we're going to look at Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, let me start off by talking to the parents in this room. Uh, many of you parents, you'll always remember the day that your child was born, won't you? Even though you would like to forget that day, right? Now, some of you are looking at me like, Todd, how in the world can you say such a thing? The birth of my baby was a beautiful experience. Well, good for you, okay? Now, some of you older folks, some of the older men here, you lived in a time when you didn't get to go into the delivery room and watch that painful process unfold, and you were a very lucky individual. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we found out that we were pregnant with our very first child, we were so excited. We told all of our friends, all of our family, I made it to every single appointment. I was there the first time we heard the child's heartbeat. I was there when we saw the little squiggly lines of the sonogram. I couldn't find her in that picture, but I know that she was in there somewhere. I was so excited. We measured everything and we charted everything and I talked to Christy's belly button. We did all the things, you know, that parents do. We were just a few weeks before the due date was supposed to happen and one of my friends came up to me. Now, he was the dad of four kids. He said, Todd, in a few weeks, you're going to be in the delivery room. And uh, you might have a moment where you're curious. And you might, you know, look down to see what's going on. He said, for the love of God, don't do it. He said, for all, all that's right in this world, don't you dare look down. You stay by your wife's head. And he looked so serious. I'd never seen him this serious before in my entire life. And I said, stay by her head. He said, oh, Todd, stay by her head. So that became my mantra. I even told my wife, I said, I'm just going to stay by your head. I'm not going to look down that way to see what in the world's going on. She said, well, that's fine with me. Just stay by my head. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay by my head, your head. And so the next time we had a doctor's appointment, I pulled the doctor aside at the end of the doctor's appointment. I said, listen, in a few weeks, she's going to give birth, you know, to our child. And I just want you to know, I'm going to stay by my wife's head. And he kind of nodded and he kind of smiled. He said, okay, that's, that sounds like a good plan. Sure enough, the day came. They were inducing labor on my wife. I stayed by her head. I encouraged her. I helped her with her back pain. When she started hyperventilating because those Lamaze classes don't work at all, you know what I'm saying? And when she, <laughs> she couldn't feel her fingers, couldn't feel her toes, I slowed her down. I gave her a pep talk. I said, breathe in, breathe out, breathe out, breathe out. Calmed her down. She pushed that baby out, boom, chakalaka. And I stayed by her head and all was right in the world because it was all about me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Few years goes by, we get pregnant a second time. And I remember the mantra, stay by the head. So I went to my doctor, her doctor, I should say. And I said, listen, I am going to stay by my wife's head again, just like I did the very first time. And he nodded in agreement once again. Well, the day finally came for the birth of our second child, and unfortunately, my wife went into labor in the...
how short-sighted of her, okay? Uh, because this meant that the doctor that I had to deal with of staying by her head was not going to be the one delivering our child. It was going to be the on-call doctor that was going to deliver, and he knew nothing of my mantra. Do you understand? The nurse comes walking after we'd been there for a while. Everything was progressing the way it should. She said, it's go time or something like that. I'm sure she didn't say it's go time, but something like that. And the doctor came in about five minutes after that, and he looked at me. He said, grab a leg. And I thought, okay. But we weren't talking about grabbing my own leg. He was talking about grabbing one of her legs. And, and I froze. I wanted to say, no, I want to stay by her head. But I didn't know what to do. And I, all of a sudden, I had an out-of-body experience. The next thing I know, I'm holding one of my wife's legs. Well, it's, it's time to push. And so the nurse begins to apply iodine. And the doctor turns around to see what's going on. And the nurse shoots iodine in the doctor's eye. This is not good. And so the next thing I know, the doctor and the nurse are in the bathroom. I'm standing there holding one of my wife's legs. And I'm thinking, I really want to be up there by your head right now. So one of the five longest minutes of my life was she finally came back in. They came back in the room and they told my wife to push. It was at that moment in time that I realized why my friend had said, stay by her head. Because I saw things. Things nobody should ever see. And it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And I just wanted to be by my wife's head, but I had a hold of her leg and I couldn't let go of her leg. And it just kept coming for an hour, hour and a half. And then the head started to come out. And I was like, shove it back in, man. <laughs> shove it back in. Because it was purple and it was wrinkled. And then she came out. And I let go of my wife's leg and I went back to where I should have been the whole time by her head and I lowered my head down to her ear and I said, Christy, you just gave birth to Yoda because she looked like Yoda, man. I was like, can you put her back in? I don't think she's done, you know. It was awful. You ever seen an ugly baby? I have. And they came around to take pictures of our child and they showed us the proofs. We said, you can throw those away. <laughs> Might be the only couple to never buy the baby picture. Now, my Hannah today is an absolute beautiful young lady. But back then, not so much, okay? Not so much. Friends, it was all chaotic and it was all confusing, the birth of our second child, but it pales in comparison to the chaos and the confusion that took place when Mary gave birth to the Son of God. What, what do we know about this story? Well, we know that Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married. We, we know that Mary has already had a, a, an angel come to her and say that she's going to be great with child. We know that Joseph had to have an angel come to him in a dream for him to convince him to take Mary uh, as his wife. We know that both of them right now are, are living in Nazareth. And we know that in the ninth month of pregnancy, right before Mary gives birth to Jesus, that Caesar Augustus issued a decree of the entire Roman world that everyone should go back to their hometown and they should register for a census. So we know Joseph, his family, is all from Bethlehem. So the Bible says that they went back to Bethlehem, but there was no room for them in the inn. Now, when you read that, you're thinking, and you've probably seen Christmas pageant like this, you've maybe even heard preachers preach like this, that there was no room for them in the best Western, right? 
There was no room for them in the Hilton, no room for them in the Hyatt, and they go from door to door, house to house, hotel to hotel, and no one has any room for this poor girl, this young man who's about to give birth to this child. That is completely inaccurate. That word in is uh, cataluma. Cataluma means guest room. Now think about this. Let's put our, put our heads together. We know that Joseph is from Bethlehem. We know he has relatives in Bethlehem because that's his hometown. Did you know that when you get ready to get married back in the first century that your job is to add on an addition to your father's house? And then you would go and you would marry your bride and you would bring her home to the addition that you had provided. Well, here's what happened. Joseph was working on the addition of the house when he finds out about Mary's pregnancy. And so in Nazareth, you know, he didn't get a chance to finish the addition. So when they get back to Bethlehem, the addition isn't done. So they come inside and all the relatives have all gathered together and there's no room for them in the guest room. And so she begins to have contractions. And so they say, well, she can have the baby in the barn. Now think about this. Who in the right mind would do this? I mean, if you're in the guest room, when you say, whoa, 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 she's pregnant, she's having contractions, she's gonna give birth, give her the room, we'll find someplace else to sleep. I can't prove this. I think I'm reading between the lines of scripture, but I think I've got a good case for it. I think Joseph's mom and dad and his relatives didn't believe Mary. Would you have? How'd you get pregnant, Mary? Because we know Joseph isn't the father. Well, an angel came to me and told me I was gonna be great with a child, and this is the Son of God. God is becoming flesh among us, incarnation, yay. Would you have believed it, moms and dads? I can't prove it, but what do you bet the relatives of Joseph said that tramp can have the baby in the barn, can have the baby in the barn for all we care. And that's about par for the course, isn't it? Because one thing we know about Jesus is he was despised and he was rejected. Even to this day, despised and rejected. But God was so excited. And he placed a star in the sky. And there were wise men that came from the east that followed the star to worship the newborn king of the Jews. Now the question is, how in the world did they know to look for a star? Well, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament found in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. It says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. The wise men have been searching the skies for years. And when the star finally appeared, they knew exactly what it meant. And they traveled over 900 miles. And friends, they're not a part of that night when Jesus was born. They come a few months later because the Bible states that Joseph and Mary and the baby were already in a house. But they come and they have gifts, right? They have gold, they have frankincense, they have myrrh. Gold, which is a gift that you give to a king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Frankincense is an incense that they would pour out in the temple. They would burn in the temple. It was an aroma that was pleasing to God. And myrrh is embalming oil. Can you imagine the wise men? They're traveling and they look at each other and say, what'd you bring? I I brought some gold. What'd you bring? I got some frankincense. Those are nice gifts. What'd you bring? I brought some myrrh. I brought some embalming fluid. Seems like a strange gift to give, don't you think? It's a foreshadowing that this baby was born to die for the sins of all mankind. And the Bible says on the night of Jesus' birth that angels lit up the sky and they appeared to some shepherds. 
Now, many scholars believe that the shepherds weren't your ordinary run-of-the-mill shepherds. They were temple shepherds. Bethlehem's just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And so these shepherds are temple shepherds who are watching the flocks of the lambs that are going to be sacrificed in the temple. Remember in the Old Testament, to be forgiven of your sin, you had to take a lamb once a year and the priest would kill the lamb and the blood of the lamb would cover your sin for one year, but we kept sinning so more lambs had to be slaughtered because the Bible says without the shame of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so this, this temple shepherds overseeing the lambs. Again, a, a foreshadowing, don't you think? Jesus is the lamb of God. He is the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So it just makes sense, doesn't it, that the first people to see and hear about the new Messiah that has come into the world would be people who are overseeing lambs who are set up to be slaughtered just as Jesus was set to be slaughtered. Look, look at what the angels say to the shepherds. Luke chapter two, verse eight. The Bible says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God, and saying, glory to hotel, and now to hotel, and saying, glory. 